wonderful souls and welcome back to another episode of Belle Knows Best. I'm Belle and today we'll be diving into the heart of love. L-O-V-E, love. But before we dive into the deep waters of today's topic, it's time for Ask Belle. This is a segment where you get to ask me some questions and I get to answer them. So I've got a few here to tackle. These will come directly from my Instagram. If you're not following me on Instagram, please head over to my page, which is 5 Minutes with Belle. Give me a follow. Question number one. Belle, how do I navigate a new relationship without losing myself in the process? This is a theme for me and I'm tired of doing it. Wow. Okay. Let's just get straight into it with the the questions. the the dance of a new relationship it's really essential to maintain individuality you know so whilst you're building this connection it's important that you can communicate there's no games you know games is such a big thing that i found you know in dating and i dated i was dating for nearly 10 years and i'll tell you what i've got some stories about my dating which are definitely not going to be answered in this question, but (laughs) setting boundaries and open communication is a big one. But, you know, in order to not lose yourself, you need to be able to prioritise your own self-care, spending time with your friends, spending time with your family. Don't stop doing the things that you like to do and working in and around the other person because as soon as you start to stop doing all the things that, make you who you are and what you love and doing what that person loves to do, you start to lose yourself, you know? So in a healthy relationship, it starts with two whole individuals coming together. You know, yes, we're not all perfect and we need work and therapy and help. But when we have a really secure attachment and we meet someone else with a secure attachment, we come together and our foundation is is beautiful now if you don't know a lot about attachments i suggest that you do your reading and get onto it asap because we're going to be referencing attachments a lot in these upcoming podcasts our attachment is our connection to ourself our inwards and our outwards of how we see and feel and view the world our attachment starts in utero and we can link our attachment all the way back to when we're in our mother's womb and it's the relationship that our caregiver or our primary caregiver in most instances it's our our mother you know and the father also which plays a you know a really important part in our attachment our attachment forms our self-regulation right if you have a really loving caring kind unconditional positive regard you know parent you'll grow up most likely having a really secure attachment if you had a parent who was coming and going anxious not present you're most likely to have an anxious attachment an avoidant attachment a disorganized attachment we want to be able to get to the point where we all have secure attachment which means that i'm okay and my partner's okay not my partner's not okay, so I'm not okay, right? Attachment. I really, really suggest that you start to look it up 
I will be diving into it in further podcasts, but do some research on it before we jump into that in the next podcast. Question number two, how do you handle self-doubt and imposter syndrome? Well, this is a really good one. And I think that imposter syndrome comes up in every aspect of our lives. It can be around our career, in our relationships, you know, feeling like we're not good enough, a good enough parent, a good enough partner, good enough person, you know, not good enough in our role. I, I, you know, I work with all sorts of clients, okay, in my job, in my professional job. I have some really uh, high-profile clients, okay, and I know for a fact that when they come in and sit in my chair, it's a really really strong theme and undercurrent for these clients is that, oh, am I an imposter? Am I doing a good enough job? You know, what if someone finds out? I said, what, find out what? Maybe I'm not that good, but you are, but I feel like I'm not. Imposter syndrome is a very real thing and it's sneaky. So recognizing that it is normal to doubt ourselves, but don't let it dictate your actions. So when that thought comes up, start to challenge that negative thought. You know, you are more capable than you think you are. And start to question it. Why is it that I'm saying that? And who is the voice? Often you'll find the imposter syndrome, if you link it back to your childhood trauma or your childhood origin or your family system, it will be the imposter syndrome is most likely coming from someone that has said that to you. And the third question that we have here is how do you keep the flame alive in a long-term relationship? Uh, The age-old question, keeping the flame alive involves intentional effort. That is the number one key. It's about nurturing the connection with both big and small gestures. And it doesn't always have to be, you know, monetized. We're not talking about going out and splashing out and buying all these gifts for someone. But it's regular date nights. It's about planning it. Surprise notes, genuine expressions of appreciation. That is how you keep the flame alive. It goes a long way. Spice it up in the bedroom. It is crucial that you continually communicate openly about your desires, your expectations, you know, and what is it you actually need. It's really important, I think, that you also continually talking about your values you know what do I value you know at this point in my life I value this for this reason do you do you agree or disagree well I disagree okay you know but are we looking in the same direction one of my favorite quotes by Antoine de Saint is love is not just looking at each other it is looking in the same direction And I truly believe that the best kind of love is the one that awakens our soul to make us reach for more love, you know. And in any long-term relationship, our relationship has to be like a garden. And if you give it regular care and attention, you know, and some fertilizer, (laughs) it will flourish. It definitely will flourish. 
So why did I pick this topic to start off my podcast? Why? Because I love love. I love it. I love it so much that I'm currently doing my celebrant training so that I can marry people because I love love. As a therapist, I've seen many, many relationships full of love and not full of love. I've seen relationships built on what people think is love, but it's actually a trauma bond. They think it's love, but it's actually enmeshment. They think it's love, but it's actually patterns. They think it's love, but it's actually lust. What is love? I think I experience love in in many ways. I show my love in many ways. I'm really clear about what it is that I love and what I need to feel loved. And I think that plays a really big, important part in our relationships with people. How do I want to be loved? And how do I love others? How can I show my love? What does that look like, you know, as a parent? My love as as a parent is different to my love that I have for my partner or the love that I have for my family. So when we can be really clear about the different kinds of love, we get really clear on our boundaries. You know, do I love doing this? (laughs) No. Do I love this kind of food? We use the word love really loosely. You know, I'm like, oh, I love that top. Do I? Or does the colours just excite me? (laughs) Do I just want to buy it because it looks great? Do we love ourself? That is a big, big one. How can we love ourselves? What will it take? I believe that love is, you know, the most powerful force. Love is connection to me and love is the antidote. Connection is the antidote of addiction. We go out and we hurt ourselves because we don't love ourselves. And what happens is hurt people hurt people, right? So when we start to look at love on all different levels, you know, in our relationships, which means being open and honest conversations, it means actively listening to your partner, expressing your own thoughts and your feelings it's about understanding each other's perspective even when you disagree that to me that's love love to me is when a challenge arises that it is about dealing with it constructively you know sometimes it's essential to seek that professional support You know, when those challenges become so overwhelming that there's a rupture in the relationship that we can't repair, you know. So just as a captain uses a compass to navigate those uncharted waters, seeking professional help can really help you guide your relationship back to the path of love and understanding, you know. So I think that love is a very open word and that's why I wanted to explore that topic today you know there's a lot going on in the world at the moment which does not fit under the category of love at all but love does teach us lessons a profound lessons in that 
you know, often it's through everyday experiences. You know, it's a mirror that reflects both our strengths, our vulnerabilities. You know, one example I think of love to me is compromise, right? How can we compromise that without compromising ourselves, our value systems and who we are because we do love that person? I have one particular client of mine who bases their love life on the horoscopes that they read on the internet each week. Um, so each person that they're going out with or dating, they're referencing to Google, which I have said it's probably not best resource, um, but, you know, whatever gets you going. <laughs> but astrology does go beyond, you know, the sun with the charts and we look and you know we look at people's compatibility based on the sun so do we look at you know astrology does it add an element of excitement into dating as you discover whether your signs align and your cosmic connection is written in the stars i mean is that how we connected or we connect with people is it the charts in the digital age, dating apps and online platforms have become such practical tools for those seeking love. And the excitement of swiping right and engaging in conversations, it can lead to thrilling connections. But, you know, how can you actually make the most out of these tools? And I found when I was dating, the conversations just fizzled out. I made a rule to myself that I wouldn't talk to more than six people at a time. And now I just said that out loud. Um, I think that's even too many. But six was my number and I found that that was manageable for me at the time. Now I would um, probably rein that back in. But here's some of my tips, my practical tools I found around online dating, which in these times is something that we really have to result to. Create an authentic dating profile that really honestly showcases your true self. I remember when I first joined up and I put on pictures and of me that I look like an absolute rock star, you know, but I also probably wasn't being my most best self. So I would probably put up some, you know, more genuine, authentic photos of myself because I actually was attracting the wrong kind of people that wanted, you know, more from me, if you know what I mean, that I was actually wanting to offer them. Practice open and honest communication. And I know that these conversations are just tiresome and boring. The hi, how are you? You, What's your favourite colour? Nice to meet you. How many siblings do you have? is so boring. So throw out a conversation that is, you know, curious, like a meaningful connection. You know, obviously you got to use your safety precautions and trust your instincts with meeting someone, you know, for the first time. I can say that I went on a few sketchy dates, although, you know, I was sending my friends my location of where I'm going. I probably should have trusted my instincts a bit better a few times, 
You know, online platforms can be a thrilling gateway to love, but it's essential that you, you know, you're using them wisely, authentically and safely. Once you're in a relationship, you know, understanding your partner's love language can be a practical tool for you to create that deeper connection. So Dr. Gary Chapman's five love languages offer insights into how individuals actually give and receive. So by identifying and speaking your partner's love language, you can actually create a really fulfilling experience. You know, so perhaps the love language of your partner might be that they need words, words of affirmation. So if you're, you know, not saying any words of affirmation to your partner, giving them no reassurance, you know, no words that are resonating with them, they're really not going to feel very loved. And you know what? The relationship, honestly, it's going to blow up. What are your languages? What's your partner's love languages? Check it out. Do a little experiment. See if anything changes. If you're struggling in the relationship, and even if you're not, honestly, give it a go. But by understanding and speaking your partner's love language, you're going to create a bond that is, you know, is going to grow stronger. When we fall in love, our bodies undergo remarkable chemical changes. It's really quite incredible what happens. We call it the love hormone, but really it's oxytocin and it floods our system and it promotes bonding and trust. But love is a symphony of chemicals, you know, including dopamine and serotonin, and they all play their parts in that magical dance of love. So oxytocin, also known as the cuddle hormone, is released when hugging or cuddling, and it deepens the connection between two people. If you want a real hug and you actually want to get some of that oxytocin flooding your system, you need to maintain your hug for longer than 12 seconds, which actually feels like quite a long time when you're hugging someone and you're counting and you're going one, two, three, four, and you're like, oh, do I pull away? Do you pull away? <laughs> the dopamine, the feel-good neurotransmitter, it surges when we're in love and it creates a sense of pleasure and excitement. So the brain and love is flooded with chemicals that can affect 12 areas at once, including a slowing of the prefrontal cortex, which can actually impact our behavior and our judgment. So when we have a love cocktail of chemicals and neurotransmitters going, blending together to create this beautiful symphony of emotions that we experience, sometimes it can be really confusing. Because do I love this person or do I love the feeling that I'm getting when I am with them? And that's when, you know, you really have to start to get to know someone and not relying on the feelings, unfortunately, because people get together and they, they go, oh, this person makes me feel so good when I'm around them. I feel so good. It's true love. Oh, okay. But you don't agree on any of the same things and you have no values and you've not talked about anything that you know will sustain a long-term relationships which is the value systems here you know your finances how you feel about having a family 
you know, are you aligned? Are these the things that you would like to do and choose in your life together? Or is your love cocktail just, you know, absolutely being shaken up and you're just pumping them back, all these chemicals? You know, why do we feel attracted to certain people? Hmm. You know, psychologically, that plays a significant role in shaping our romantic choices, you know, from shared values to physical attraction and that mysterious chemistry we often refer to. So we look at why is it that we're attracted to these people? Are we repeating our patterns in our family systems? Culturally, we have one day a year where we celebrate how much we love someone and we show them by buying them chocolates and flowers and saying, I love you. Will you be mine? My Valentine. That's all we do. We show people we love them by buying them chocolates and flowers. So how do we express love in different cultures? So I think that's a you know, that's a big thing, right? I know that in Paris, you go to the bridge, you get a lock, you put your initials on it, you close up the lock, now you have everlasting love, and then you throw the key into the river. You just hope that it lasts because otherwise you've got to go back down and pick up that key and unlock it. <laughs> in India, we have the Festival of Love and a celebration of colours and love. And it's a day when people come together to throw the vibrant powders and coloured water at each other, you know, breaking down barriers and spreading joy. So how do we cultivate different cultures, different beliefs and feelings and values around love and put them into our own value system? What do I need in my relationships around love. My boyfriend went out and got my name tattooed on his leg with a big heart and flames coming out the top of it. That is love, right? You go out and get your na someone's name tattooed on your leg, that is love to me. Whenever I look at him and I see that, I melt. <laughs> makes me absolutely melt. But how do we show our love? Most people will go out and buy someone a ring, right? And you're like, this is your ring. Be mine. I love you. What is love in your relationships? I cannot stress it enough. You know, what is it that you need to be your best self? Really really strongly suggest you find out what that is for yourself. In this thrilling adventure of love, it is really easy to forget the importance of self-care and personal well-being, which is self-love. Taking care of yourself is essential for nurturing healthy and exciting relationships. Let's explore some practical tools for maintaining your own sense of self, well-being and self-love. Make an exciting self-care routine. 
set aside time, dedicate time to these activities that nourish your body, your mind and your soul. Take a walk. Join a new club where you can meet some new people. Do some things that you want to do and stick to them each week. Setting boundaries that protect your your personal space and your time is a form of self-love. So ensuring you actually have the energy to invest into your relationships. Prioritize your physical and your mental health. That is a big, big one. Remember, you can't pour from an empty cup. You cannot pour from an empty cup. Every thrilling love story at some point encounters its share of conflicts and misunderstandings. We cannot have a perfect relationship all the time. And if it is, it's probably not as real as it could be because at some point the relationship is going to blow up in your face because there probably isn't the level of communication that it is needed in the relationship. So what happens when it gets too much and there is a conflict and there is a misunderstanding in this love bubble? We need to apologise. We need to forgive and we need to apologise. And that is a practical tool that we can heal our wound, strengthen our bond, and we can keep, you know, the love going. But it has to be authentic. It has to be an authentic apology. When we start to take responsibility for what we did, we listen to our partner, we listen to our friend or our colleague or that person that we do love and care for, we listen to what they have to say without getting defensive, without getting, you know, upset or feeling attacked and we just hear them, we take responsibility and we change our behaviour, we can actually really repair the rupture in the relationship. So... An apology and forgiveness, that is our practical tool to be able to breathe the new life into a relationship, you know, and it does create a new understanding of growth and love. It sounds super cliche, but give it a go. If you're that person that always waits for your partner or friend to apologize to you, why don't you ask yourself, why do I feel this way? Why do I feel like I need them to apologize to me first? See what's underneath that. Dig underneath that. Maybe try something new. You apologize first and see what happens. My words of wisdom actually come from my dad. And he's always said to me that in life you need three things. And these are the essentials for happiness. Number one, something to do. Number two, someone to love. And number three, something to hope for. As we wrap up this episode today, remember that love is not a destination. It is an exciting and ever-evolving journey, a one of self-love, love for the world, love for others, It is a journey filled with exhilarating moments that challenge us, that shape us, and an ongoing discovery of who we are. So whether you're at the beginning of a new love story, deep into an existing one, or finding love within yourself, keep in mind that love is an adventure worth embarking on. 
do the work, cherish the excitement, celebrate the milestones, and embrace the unexpected turns because it's these moments that we truly learn the art of love. Thank you for tuning in and may your own love adventure be filled with endless excitement and deep connections. Until our next heart to heart, keep the love alive and always remember that in the world of love, the journey is the destination.